Welcome to the Stacking Slabs podcast. Join Brett to get the latest sports cards investment advice, hear from industry experts that are deep in the trenches, and find out when to turn left when the rest of the market is going right. Get eBay ready, get PayPal ready. Let's be students of the game and stack those slabs. What is up, everyone? Welcome back to Stacking Slabs, your hobby content alternative. I'm Brett McGrath, B2B marketer, sport card collector, and investor. Massive professional wrestling fan. I gotta say, I love what's going on in the hobby. It's Markets are going down. Some people are panicked, freaking out. A lot of chatter about grading companies, pissing people off. A lot of hoopla, if you will. But you know what? I'm having more fun than ever. So let me set the stage for you right now. I am in a room, in my house, boxes and stuff everywhere with a whole crew of painters that are painting up my crib to make it look fresh. And this is what you call, in any relationship, compromise. I get to do what I want to do with sports cards, pro wrestling, music, sports. My wife lets me do that. It's awesome. I get to embrace and take part in the things I love on a regular basis. And, you know, on Sundays, my wife puts on her Ryan Kelly jersey. Yes, she has a Ryan Kelly jersey, the center for the Indianapolis Colts. How cool is that? How many wives out there are wearing their team's center jerseys? I don't know. I picked a good one. But with compromise, you know, she wants some updates to the house. You got to say, go for it, babe. If that's what makes you happy, go get the house updated. Yeah, here's your budget. We all got budgets. We got budgets in sports cards. We got budgets on our house. You name it. But that's what I'm dealing with right now. But you know what? I'm more excited than ever. And I'm more excited to record this episode. I have so much to say. Most of this is about things that I've learned. And I have learned so much over the course of time. I can't believe we've been doing this podcast for as long as we have. It's unbelievable. And I will tell you, the hobby hustle this week going to mark episode 50 for stacking slabs 50 this baby started right on the heels of covid and we're at 50 i am just so fired up about what's happening here the engagement people just reaching out and just telling me that they're enjoying the pod that's what i'm talking about baby that's what i love so just want to lead off by saying you know like right now as i record this i'm being a little adaptable we should always be adaptable but I'm going to bring it. I'm always going to bring it because I love this hobby so damn much. So let's start off. I led with, I'm having more fun than ever. I'm having more fun than ever with less activity. That's a signal. There's less buying from me, less selling from me, more learning. Yes. Being patient, going through the process, doing things that make me happy ultimately and going and not just buying cards on eBay because they're the flavor of the week or because I think it's going to make me a bunch of money. Buying cards that might not be on eBay and thinking and connecting and hunting, this thrill of the chase around guys that and guys and cards that are significant is very, very important. And that word significant is very, very important because I have heard every collector everybody who's been in the game for quite some time 
describe their collecting style and what they look for as significant. That word is something that I've picked up and it is a word that I'm using to evaluate the moves I'm making in the hobby. Is this significant? Is this something that makes me happy because it's from the past? Is this significant because it's from a set that's really, really important and there's a demand for in the market? Is this significant because it is a player that makes me really happy that I still think has tons of future growth and gains? That is a word that I am using to guide my practices on a regular basis, and it's a word I've heard all the great collectors use when describing their hobby habits, and that's what I wanted to share with you right off the top. I got to tell you, like I'm sure you know this by looking at my Instagram feed or the volume of content I'm putting out on a, a regular basis. I put out two episodes a week. I do Instagram TV stuff. I post because it is a creative outlet for me. I love being creative. I love sharing my voice and takes on topics that in areas like the hobby that are really important to me and I'm really impassionate about. I am very, very ambitious. That word being ambitious is, it's a good thing and it's a bad thing at times. I think, you know, we all want ambitious people to work with and work for. They're going to get stuff done. But then also being ambitious, you're running at 100 miles an hour. Sometimes you lose sight of things that are significant or things that are important and that are happening alongside. And that's something just in my life that I'm trying to self-manage. While, yes, it's a superpower of mine to be ambitious, but don't let it crush me. And don't let it crush all the potential fun I could be having in the hobby. So with that being said, I'm being intentional about taking a step back, smelling those hobby roses, and letting it all sink in. And I think the more I do that, the more I realize the potential I have in the hobby and the potential I have to be happy in the hobby. Yes, we all want to make money in the hobby. Of course we do. We want our cards to stay up, continue to trend up, but we also want to be really, really happy in the hobby. So I think it's the connection point. Like I could be selling RJ Barrett rookie cards, making $5 a profit on those things. And that's all I could be doing. And I could be making money, but that just wouldn't make me happy. I'd be like, why am I doing this right now? Like I'd rather be going and trying to sell wrestling figures or something like, so I think that's just something to keep in mind. I got to say like my bringing in certain guests to talk on the pod is intentional and it is strategic. And I've talked about this, but a lot, it is one, I like what they're doing and believe in them. Two, I think they have enough to talk about that you all learn from something that they say. But three, and probably the most important and self-serving, I bring these people on because they are experts in areas that I want to know more about. And by bringing them on the podcast, I get to hear one-to-one, ask them questions that can help guide better behavior in the hobby for me personally. So if you're enjoying those hobby hustle conversations, so am I. I'm learning a ton. And I got to tell you, Jake's episode this past week, if you haven't heard it already, Jake Roy, 90s b-ball cards, hit that follow button on that dude. Awesome freaking guy. Love his channel. Learn so much. But I listen and I always listen back to the episodes, you know, a day probably before they're released just to make sure it sounds good and it's on track. Like 
when I do these, a lot of the times, like I have my bullets in my notes, but it's kind of like a stream of consciousness where I don't remember what I say. So I always listen back, but I felt good about Jake's conversation. And then when I listened back, it was one of those ones where I started to take notes and started to think about what I wanted to do because I felt that it was very, very important to dig in and spend time on 90s cards because I think that those are the cards that I grew up with. And I got to say, like, if there is any background noise, like apologies in advance, I've got a crew of dudes downstairs. So bear with me, but I think my audio guy is amazing. So hopefully this will sound as good as possible. But I started thinking about how I wanted to approach the 90s card market. And the first thing I thought of was, I talked about in the episode, I talked about Larry Johnson and his importance to me as I grew up. But then as I dug in and I thought more about it, I was like, you know what? Like, I need to go and get into Reggie Miller cards because he's my favorite basketball player of all time. And they're cards that exist that I did not know about when I was growing up that are important now. So let me do some research on Reggie Miller cards because to me, he is my guy. Reggie Miller, to anybody who's an Indiana Pacers fan, is going to be a legend for the end of time. And a lot of it is because Reggie Miller is just clutch is a word I got to use. I've never seen anything like it. Yes, the Pacers never won a championship with Reggie Miller. There's a guy playing on the Chicago Bulls, War 23, who... uh, Gave us a lot of problems, but Reggie was always there when you needed a bucket. And some of the performances throughout his career just built this folklore and this cult following for this guy. Reggie was passionate. He's a passionate teammate, passionate about winning and passionate about the game. Small market like Indianapolis, he was our hero. He was there before Peyton Manning. If you look back in the history books, it was Reggie before Peyton And the connection Reggie made with fans of the Indiana Pacers in the city of Indianapolis is unprecedented. I grew up, I just can't tell you, he was like our superhero. It's like, what's Reggie going to do? What's Reggie going to say? And he went from being a guy who was just a really good shooter to being one of the best players in the NBA. And we as fans got to watch him be a part of that. Reggie was significant. He was significant to the game of basketball because he was a competitor. He was clutch. He was significant to the city of Indianapolis because he was the first athlete in my lifetime that really meant something important. Reggie has a mural. I've talked about this that's painted on the side of the building in his Flojo jersey here in downtown Indianapolis. And if you ever get a chance to go be an Indy, you got to check it out. It is so fun to see Reggie Miller live on in the city of Indianapolis. And so all of these feels, oh, and I got to say, Reggie, like Reggie's a heel, man. Reggie cut, like in wrestling terms, like you got your good guys and your bad guys. The bad guys are heels. Reggie was a heel. Reggie would cut freaking promos on his opponents. Reggie would talk trash. Like go check out Reggie's interview after the 8.9 seconds, just unreal performance in New York when he, you know, just did the unthinkable, which is just the moment. Go check out Reggie's promo after that win. John Starks choked. Jeez, I mean, he was just a smack talker. So, like, everyone else around the league and fans probably didn't like Reggie, but Reggie was on our team, and Reggie was our guy. 
So with all that being said, I hope you understand the importance of Reggie Miller in my life and what he's meant for me as a Pacers fan. But needless to say, after the episode with Jake, I said, you know what? I got to dig into some 90s Reggie Miller cards. This is going to be freaking fun. I'm doing it with Peyton Manning. Why wouldn't I do it with Reggie Miller? So as I'm looking on eBay, checking everything out, trying to make sense of everything, I had knowledge, okay? I obviously knew the rookie card, you know, knew low population on the 10s, knew it was the price had jumped up. I had paid attention to that right when I got back into the hobby. I knew the cards that I knew of Reggie growing up, but like later 90s stuff, less familiar. So I sat down and I just went through kind of like a history lesson of trying to read articles, trying to just search eBay. And again, I do what I always do when I'm trying to like build relationships with people. Like I use my resources. I reached out to Jake and I said, hey man, like, dude, I've been reflecting on our conversation and I bought some Reggie cards. Like, can you drop me a list of like, from your opinion, since you're the 90s basketball card savant of Reggie Miller cards that you think are, you know, the most important just so I can have some targets. Jake immediately responded, drop this unbelievable list. And this is why I love the list. So I went and took his list and ran it through eBay. And a lot of what he put on the list wasn't on eBay, which tells me these are cards that are worthy of the hunt. And I love that. So thanks, Jake, for putting that list together. But so I have the list. I've got just digging into the 90s cards. I got, this is so much fun. And I know if you're out there and you're Jordan collectors or you, there's a guy you like in the 90s and you've gone through this process, you're smiling right now because you know how much fun it is, but I'm having a freaking blast digging into these old sets, these inserts, parallels, stuff I didn't even know existed, and on the hunt for Reggie Miller cards. One, because they mean something to me, they're significant, and they're cards I want to keep forever. And on the just business side of it, it's like these cards that are, he's proven. There is no speculation about the significance of Reggie Miller and what his contributions to the game. That, to me, is mitigating risk, putting my money into a player like Reggie Miller. In my opinion, he is a Hall of Famer, top 100, top 75, top 50 maybe guy ever, one of the most clutch performers in NBA history, a guy I grew up loving. That's where I want to put my money in the hobby. So made some early purchases, dipping my toe into the Reggie Miller market, having a blast. Here's what I got. So I started off in the obscurity. I started off because I didn't want to like be like, all right, let me jump head first in. I don't want a nine of his rookie. I want a 10, but I also want to set myself up for that 10. So I didn't go there. I did start from the beginning. I picked up his 1988 Panini Spanish sticker, PSA 9, population 4. This card is significant to me because it shows an image of young Reggie before he was even knew the clutch performer he was going to be. This is a, you know, Spanish sticker, which stickers are, you know, I've heard a lot of buzz about stickers and just how they're undervalued at this time. To me, I wanted this because this is like his first thing that had come out. So then I moved and I bought a 1996-97 Tops Holding the Court Refractor Population 5. 
Love refractors. Love the white jersey on that. I love the copy on the back. Then I moved over, and I'm, these cards I wanted because they talk about the moment I led with, you know, Reggie Miller and his performance in that game against the Knicks. I bought the 95-96 Topps Finest with coating base card, PSA 10, and I bought the 95-96 Topps Finest with coating, PSA 9, Refractor. And I bought those cards because it talks about that 8 points, 9 seconds moment. I bought those cards because I believe in the integrity of the card and I wanted the peel on the card. That's something to that Jake and I talked about. But it is just like so much fun to take this Reggie Miller pursuit now and pair it with my Peyton Manning pursuit because that's how you stay in the hobby. That's how you stay focused. And my recommendation to anyone listening that has or wants or is interested in digging into 90s cards, like go, who's the player that you loved growing up? Who was that player that was on your team? Like start there. And once you take a player, you can learn so much about the sets, so much about the inserts and parallels. Like it's just an absolute blast. So that would be my recommendation to all of you. I think on the modern side, I'm also on this evolution and this turn where I want to spend more of my time going deeper on players than less of my time taking risks and chances on unproven players. I talk more about this at the end of the episode, but specifically, I've been trying, like, I look at the bubble. I've been watching basketball for, you know, the last few months, which has been incredible. I started from the scrimmage games, bull bull era of the bubble, if you will, and into the eight games, into the playoffs. And I just, I've watched so much basketball that I feel like I've watched more basketball and more players play basketball than I ever had before, which with that and watching all the games, literally I've probably like, I've watched almost every minute of basketball since it's been back. Part of that is being stuck at home. Yeah, but part of it is because I love the game. And I think for me, there's this this like reflection of like based on everything you've seen, based on players that you believe in and who you like, and players with just upside, how can you start attaching yourselves to these players and not just spread cast a wide net, but fish with the spear and start hunting these guys that are really good. And so I think that means all right, let's shorten the bench a little bit and let's start collecting guys that I really love that are young, that have potential alongside my Reggie Miller hunting in pursuit. So I've talked a lot about Jaw. I've talked a lot about my pursuit of him. He's a guy I'm going to continue to collect because I love him. Yeah, I just he's just an excellent player. I think the sky's the limit for this kid. I love his mentality, the chip on his shoulder. His cards right now to me are a little expensive, so I'm staying back. I'm waiting a couple months until NBA kind of closes its doors out of sight, out of mind and seeing if his cards dip a little bit and I'm going to dive back in. Other guys that I'm evaluating right now, I want to pick up one more guy alongside Ja. So right now I'm, I'm in this mode of trying to consider three guys that I really like that are under 25. Two specifically, I, I think I've eliminated one from my list and I'm not even going to mention him because I don't even want to get into the conversation of why, because it's just not important. The two guys right now that I'm evaluating are Devin Booker and Donovan Mitchell, both of which I just respect the hell out of 
both of which are in situations that people might not consider the most desirable based on the market. But to me, that doesn't matter. Like I look at the player and their skill set, me enjoying watching them, what they believe in, what they're about. And then also an understanding that, you know, they might not be in that situation forever. They might go elsewhere. We all see the trends of what's happening in the NBA. So I'm in this mode where I'm buying Reggie Miller cards. And here's a quote, just I think a quote that comes to mind, um, if I can do it some justice here, that, you know, when I'm evaluating guys like Devin Booker and Donovan Mitchell and pairing them with like Reggie Miller, um, the, Ahmad Rashad had a quote that said, and he was describing Reggie Miller after this performance, 8.9 seconds. And he said, there's a time to play and a time to win. And what you do in winning time differentiates regular players and superstars. And Ahmad Rashad said that to describe Reggie Miller and his performance. And I believe like that same quote can be applied to guys like Devin Booker and Donovan Mitchell. Both of them <laughs> gave several moments where, you know what? Those guys aren't regular players. Those guys are freaking superstars. So what, you know what I'm doing? Being under 25, I want to buy some of their cards. So this is just so much fun. I'm having way more fun doing this than anything else I've ever done in the hobby. And I think I just want to share that story off the top because I'm feeling good about the moves I'm making. I'm feeling good about the passion I have for this. And I hope you are thinking about things similarly. And if you're not, doing whatever you can to make you happy. I think like I tweeted this, but I think experimentation across all hobby functions can be an excellent way for new hobbyists to get centered around what they like early. I think hobby vet, and then I also said hobby vets who share who share and are adaptable in the new conditions can continue to add to their legacy. So let me unpack that a little bit. I think like when people jump back into the hobby, they should be trying everything. They should be breaking, they should be selling, they should be buying, they should be flipping, they should be grading, they should be ripping wax. Like they should be doing all of that. That is how you learn. That is how you learn where you want to put your money. That has where you learn how to be happy. You got hobby vets and the hobby vets who are open-minded to the new market conditions and want to help people, that adds to their legacy to me. Like that is helping people learn. And I think just, I felt really passionate about that because I think there's this tremendous opportunity to, to be focused on bringing like collectors and investors together. I've had years of collecting stuff, collecting stuff forever. And when I got back in the hobby, it was, I wanted to be a collector, but then there's also this business opportunity. I mean, I had taken a hiatus from cards and when I was jumping back in, it was all the curiosity that brought me back around nostalgia and making money and the opportunities. And yes, I want to make money in the hobby. I want to make money buying fun cards that make me happy. But like to figure out and identify how to build your program, it doesn't happen overnight. I'm still doing it. I think about this stuff all the time, every day, where I want to be and how I want to get there. And it really takes focus and it takes learning. And you like level up when you start connecting with vets in the hobby who are open-minded, who can help guide you and give you that advice on where to direct some of your time and energy. So it's the experimentation around, and you pair that with feedback from hobby vets, game freaking over. That's where you dominate and you start to have fun. And that's where you start to make some waves in the hobby. I can't believe I'm not We've done 50 episodes. I can't believe it. Feedback's been awesome. But like some of the things that I just want to call out that like are top of mind for me on like hitting 50 and the things that I've learned are, I think like, I'm just going to call this out. I think like labeling people is unproductive. I've done it. I think, you know, these new investors and in air quotes, like 
people here, investors, people probably, and you're probably out there and you saw me come on the scene and you saw, you listen to my opening segment right, and you probably said, you know, this is another investor guy. You know, I don't know what he's about. Like he probably doesn't really care. He's probably trying to make money, this and that. It's like, no, like the new investor label, like people that are investors, people, they're, they're green. They're trying to figure it out. But people with the passion evolve and people who don't leave. So like, I think like content that sucks to me might be entertaining to someone else, but, and it shouldn't be our job to feel like we need to convert people's journey in the hobby. I think it's like on us to worry about ourselves. To worry about ourselves. Don't label people. Look what happens when we label people in this country. It's not good. Don't label people in the hobby. Like, just don't do it. Like people are going to do what they want. Like no one needs to be the police of the hobby. No one needs to try to like, the hobby's never going to be what you want. Everyone's always going to be doing shit like is going to piss you off. That's just the fact of the matter. Like the more you worry about yourself and the more you worry about your evolution, the more fun you're going to have. And again, I've said this, if people are doing things or companies are doing things that piss you off, just block it out. So just stop labeling people. Stop. I think the other thing is like that I've learned is like when I'm buying things like the Reggie Miller stuff and other stuff now, it's like buy things like the internet just does not exist. Like this is where the fun starts to meet. This is where appreciation happens. It's the foundation for turning left when the market is going right. You know, everyone's posting on Instagram. Everyone's posting these cards, like this attachment component, like people want to just start comparing themselves to other than making purchases that they regret. Like stop doing that. Just operate like the internet doesn't exist. I was watching when I was out on vacation, I watched one of my favorite movies of all time that I haven't seen in a while. SLC Punk, Matthew Lillard. And it's a great film. But in that movie, he dro- he's with this chick and he drops LSD and he's just like on this journey and he's just wandering and his mind's going places and he's in deep reflection. And I like, I don't know, like think about just like dropping LSD in the hobby. It just like, tuning everyone out and just like finding your inner peace and doing like thinking like that and being open-minded and focused on yourself and just like go with the flow. That mentality is probably more right than wrong. And that's what I'm thinking about. That's what I've learned. Not necessarily like I'm going to go take some acid and get on eBay and buy some cards. And then I might mine end up in a really weird rabbit hole, but it's just the open mind mentality and taking and following your own journey and not someone else's proactively building relationships is the hobby's biggest hack. That is just like lights out, no brainer. Like it's on you to reach out to the people who are posting or creating content that you're learning from and build and make that connection. Like people do it with me all the time. Like people send me like feedback. People send me like, Hey, I'm at this point in my journey. Like, I'm so happy that you're talking about this. Like, I love that. That's why I do this show. Like I do it to meet people and it's been so much fun, but I've talked to people with big audiences and reaching out and just because, and it's not just because they have a big audience, but it's someone who's been doing it for a while and who can help me out. Definitely encourage all of you to be proactive when around that. And I think just like one thing I just want to close with that I think I think about a lot in my role at work that's highly focused on just psychology, human behavior is that the principles of influence are, are undefeated. So if you're into psychology at all, or you're into sales or you're into marketing, a really dense, but good book, I highly recommend to you is this book called influence the psychology of persuasion. It's by Robert Cialdini. It is 
just an awesome book. And I think about that book in terms of everything that I'm doing and how I'm operating in the hobby. And he's got six principles. And the six principles are reciprocity, scarcity, authority, consistency, liking, and consensus. So let's starting from the top. So like reciprocity is like tipping. Think about tipping. Like when you're at a restaurant, somebody puts in a mint and then because they give you something that you're more inclined to tip them more. Okay. And it is stuff like when you're walking around at a grocery store and you know, somebody's got that candy bacon coming out. Like if they're giving samples of that candy bacon and you're hungry and you eat that candy bacon, then you're more inclined to hear the pitch on the candy bacon. So that's reciprocity. And I think reciprocity happens all the time in the hobby. It can happen for good for all, but you know, it also happens for bad. So like, here are my free picks, sign up. Okay. So like there's reciprocity going that's on good and there's reciprocity that's going on the bad. But these are things that are always going to be happening and you just need to be aware of. The other principle, scarcity. So people want things that there are less of. That's undeniable in the hobby. That's an evolution I've taken. Yeah, I want the PMG Reggie Miller card right out of the gates. My bank might go broke if I end up buying that right now. But like, I'm not going to start that way. But I'm going to try to figure out how do I build myself up to getting that card. So that like, inevitably like limited mindset scarcity, like people are going to be attracted to that. But then on the flip side, like there's some negativity when it comes to scarcity where, you know, people, you know, can shell auctions and people want to drive up and drive up people because they know they're interested based on limited cards. That's just something to be aware of. The next one is just authority. People follow the lead of experts. So like for me, like that's certainly true. Like I've talked about it. Like there's so many people in the hobby with so much experience and I'm going to reach out to those people to learn more. But then there's also some people who are fakers, right? And there are some people that have channels who don't know what they're talking about, but might have kids following them. But, and then they feel the kids think that they're the authority figure and they know what they're talking about. It happens for the good and it happens for the bad. Consistency. I post and do content every week because I want to be consistent and I know that matters. And I know that helps and maintains and nurtures audiences. People do it too, but also with bad info. I hope you don't think my info is bad. I hope you think it's good and you know my intentions are good, but people operate with bad intentions and post and create content or sell bad cards consistently. It's part of it. There's always going to be the positive and the negative. You've got liking. People who are similar, who are similar, who complement each other and have mutual goals like each other. And that's how relationships form. There's also people who leverage that for manipulation. And that's kind of the underbelly of the hobby. And just the final one is consensus. So people look at the actions of people and then make decisions off that. And that can be good, but then it also can be bad where people follow others blindly and they're the sheep of the hobby. These elements of persuasion are undefeated in life and they are applied to the hobby. So reciprocity, scarcity, authority, consistency, liking, and consensus, you should all be aware of when you're interacting, making decisions in the hobby. The market is down. Yes. There's so many reasons to speculate about why. Obviously, I think it needed to pull back. It was ridiculous. I remember thinking about the bubble and just like Gary Trent Jr. cards just being outrageous. I think his silver was like 500 bucks or something. Like just absolutely crazy. Just 
so there needed to be a pullback period, but I think like my main reasons that the pullback period is happening are sports are happening. So there's less time to speculate. Inevitably, we know that in sports cards, it seems like it's that hype period where card prices are at their peak or have been for the past year. Now that sports are happening, there's a lot more evidence of who is playing well and who doesn't. So I think prices are going down because of that. Because sports are back, you've got DFS and sports betting that are live and active. People are spending money there. It's undeniable. So if they're spending money there, there's chances are they're spending less money on sports cards. And then people got hooked or people got their taste during COVID. People got hooked and then they went to hobby rehab. They, they what well, hobby rehab to them might have been like their wife saying like, you got to stop this. You're wasting so much of our money ripping packs or maybe they quit having fun. People are out of the game. Like you got to take that into consideration. So I think like it's good if we all think about the market being down and don't let us it get us down, but understand there are market dynamics and conditions outside of our power that happen that are going to fluctuate any market. So be aware of that. I am really excited to announce a little partnership that I got going on. So I am very selective, if you haven't been able to tell, about partnerships on Stacking Slabs. And I'm selective because it needs to align with what I believe in and what I'm about. And it also needs to align with what I want my audience to be aware of and know about. And I'm really excited to announce this new partnership that I have with Starstock. It should be uh, very familiar to you. I've talked about Starstock a lot. I'm in last place of their contest right now in a hole that I just cannot get out of. I bought these cards during the hype period when I got my funds released and I would have done things differently now, but that shouldn't be, that's beside the point. Starstock has just been, I've had so much fun interacting with Scott, building that relationship and watching their platform grow. And I'm going to start with this. The cards that I have that are in boxes under my futon, I sent away to Starstock. Again, I talked about this, but the experience they had a week to upload all my cards and then be in my collection that I could then go sell. It's like, okay, you've got grading companies that are taking freaking forever. You've got all these cards I don't care about. The option of sending them to Starstock and getting those things up and being able to sell those instantly, that efficiency makes me really happy. So I really hope you all will consider this as you're thinking about Starstock because I think it's a platform for people who can buy and sell cards instantly and transact fast. And I believe in that. But here's what we're doing. So all you got to do if you haven't already, it's super easy to do this. Sign up, put in your profile, use promo code SLABS. You're going to get $5 credit with your first deposit on the site. This is what I'm doing with Starstock. I have all these rookies from last year, okay? And NBA is going to start back up probably at the start of next season. I don't believe they're not cards. I don't believe I'll get the cards back graded in time from any of the grading providers. And so I just gave them to Starstock. I'm sitting on these babies for the season to start. Once that season starts and we see these second year guys start performing, man, I'm going to start listing these things. And it's an easy way to get money into my account that I can then go buy other cars on Starstock or take out some of the money and go buy some cards elsewhere that I like Reggie Miller cards or Peyton Manning cards that I really want. 
So go make sure you do that. I believe in Starstock. Yes, this is a partnership, but then it is also something I truly believe in. So make sure use that code SLABS and go check out Starstock. I haven't talked about Bang in a while. And I got to tell you, I've been on the Bang train this week. Cherry Blade Lemonade, shout out. Anybody out there who's drinking those Cherry Blade Lemonades, took me a little while to get around on those, but that has been a really freaking good bang for me. So no crash. It goes well with your hobby content alternative. I got to shout out my guys, Slabby Sosa, Peter Pacman, Rips Hamiltops too, man. These guys are just making it happen, making me laugh in the hobby, creating some hobby hip hop that I really love. These homies sent me a freaking care package for all the love that I just so unnecessary, but had some cult stuff on it. It was awesome. And I'm going to have these dudes. So Slabby and Peter Pac-Man are coming on the Hobby Hustle this week. We're going to be talking about their journey with collecting hip hop and influence and what they're doing in the hobby. I can't wait for these conversations. Two of the most like genuine dudes that I've met since being back in the hobby. So, so excited to share that conversation with all of you. Be on the lookout. Make sure you listen to Hobby Hustle this week. I got to also say, man, I'm late to the game on this one. And I know you're all out there and you've been listeners to him forever. But Card Collector 2, man, Ryan, I've just been following him recently. And talk about a hustler, man. So knowledgeable. I've been loving his IG stuff. He's just an incredible mind in the hobby who is someone you really should be paying attention to if you want to learn how to get better in the hobby. Loved the episode. Card Talk, go check out his podcast. Hit freaking subscribe. Stop what you're doing and hit subscribe on his pod. He had Chris, my man, House of Jordan's Card Ladder, and it was just an excellent conversation. So I'm going to subscribe to Card Talk. I am subscribed, but that is a going to be a regular listen in my rotation to me just because it's super knowledgeable. Awesome, awesome freaking podcast. And a quote Chris made that I'm going to call out here and highlight this on Stacking Slabs is he said, he loves the hobby because it makes life better. And boy, cheers to you, brother. I couldn't agree more. It just makes life better. All right, on the wrestling front, tons going on. We, we are got the draft going on on the SmackDown and Raw side. As I record this, watched the SmackDown draft last night, the first round of it. And uh, man, we got Seth Rollins on the SmackDown brand. He has just been so excellent in this. Messiah character. I'm excited to see him bring that to Friday nights. AEW is just dominating. What more can I say? So much entertainment. I'm catching up on the G1 New Japan. I love pro wrestling, everybody. And I just love sitting back doing nothing and watching it when I have the time. It's a good time to be a pro wrestling fan. Go check out Kurt Vile's new EP. I love Kurt Vile. Hopefully, if you like some guitar music, he is Someone you can get behind. I'm certainly a fan. Hit Speed Sound and Lovely KV. One of my favorite musicians and artists. He had a new EP out. Go check it out. Wow, we are just in the middle of this episode right now. And I don't think, besides Peyton Manning, I haven't talked football much. But I got to tell you, like there is so much hype around Josh Allen right now. $650 for a PSA 10 prism. I just got to, I got to say one thing, like be careful. Be very, very careful. And the one thing I've observed, just the volatility of the football card market, is people I don't think are talking enough about like schedules ahead for players that are hot right now. And I'm just going to say this. like Josh Allen, here's his next six games. 
at Tennessee, they've been tough. Definitely a tough squad. Then they got the Chiefs. Then they got a, a layup at Jets. Pats, Seahawks, Cardinals. That's their next six games. That's an indication for me. If you're not already on the Josh Allen train, do not get on it. Way too much risk. Josh Allen, I mean, here's if you, if you are a risk freaking taker, okay, and you want to get in on Josh Allen, like if you buy his cards and he goes six and oh there or five and one, I mean, his cards are going to just probably, you know, go up 25%. But is that worth the risk? Those are the questions you need to be asking yourself in the hobby. All right, let's go around the corner here, close it out and get back on the NBA side. So I think like it's inevitable. Rookies are control the market in a lot of cases. And most people are focused on rookies. I think there's a couple of things I want to say off the top is like one, like make sure that you're very, very cautious. And I'm going to get into some information here, but like going into this next season, I can't wait for the draft to happen, but all the pundits and analysis experts say, and I'd love to dig in more on this. I've talked to a bunch of guys about it and we'll be probably talking about it on the lead up once the season's over, when we've got nothing more to talk about, but the draft, but a lot of the experts are saying this is a down draft. So that's one. So just be careful. So how is a down draft class going to influence the price of hobby boxes? That'll be interesting to see. And that's something that I'm paying attention to. But one thing just specifically to call out is like, I think about like rookies and I think about prospecting and I think about sales. And I think like in order for you to get sales, you need to do a bunch of different activities. And based on a bunch of different activities, there's metrics and percentages that you have to go through in order to make a bunch of calls or emails, which will lead to this percentage of connections, which will lead to this percentage of conversations, to opportunities, to close one new business. So there's like, it's a prospecting is like very much a percentage game. And I think like what I wanted to just share with you is just looking back on, let's see, since 2015, looking at the rookies in each of those class and putting them in categories right now of Hobby relevant and junior varsity is like, eh, maybe hobby relevant, maybe could move up to hobby relevant and then, then irrelevant. So going through all the drafts, 2015, 2016, 2017, 2018, not touching 2019 just because we don't have enough information about these guys. It's only been a season and the hype period is still on. But let's start from 2015. If you look at the 2015 draft, and this is opinion-based, yo. This is completely opinion-based, but this is my opinion. This is my show, so that's what I'm doing, giving my opinion. So if I look at the 2015 draft and I look at who is hobby relevant in the 2015 draft, two names come to mind. Kristaps Porzingis, I think inevitably being paired with Luka Doncic. He just had a surgery. Hopefully he recovers. Not Luka. Porzingis had a surgery. Hopefully he has a quick recovery. Being paired by Luca inevitably is going to make him hobby relevant. He's sick, awesome when healthy. We saw what he can do in the playoffs this year, but he is hobby relevant, along with the guy I already talked about, Devin Booker. Hobby relevant players. People want their cards. People care about them as players. Junior varsity guys in the hobby. I got to say, it's like Carl Anthony Towns. You can't say Carl Anthony Towns is hobby relevant right now. He just isn't. His prices reflect that. Could they go? Yeah. I mean, if, you know, him and D'Angelo Russell, who's the next guy on my list, who's also in the junior varsity category, 
I mean, if they have a nice pairing next year and they go make some noise, make the playoffs, both of them could move from JV to hobby relevant, but that just hasn't happened for them. And then this one is like a tweener. This could be completely irrelevant. I had a tough time putting him in the completely irrelevant category, but Miles Turner, like he's not starting on the JV team like Cat and Russell might be, but he's on the bench. But then if I look at irrelevant, then there's 55 other guys. So think about that. You've got, when those cards came out, people who are hunting rookies, all these people who are speculating on these guys in this draft doing something. I can only talk about five guys. Something to take note of. 2016, hobby relevant. Ben Simmons. Jamal and Ben Simmons, man. He's hobby relevant. People talk about his cards. He could go the other way with a bad season. Jamal Murray, more hobby relevant than ever. Pascal Siakam, hobby relevant for sure. JV route, a lot of JV players here. You got Malcolm Brogdon, Jalen Brown, Brandon Ingram, who could bump up to hobby relevant. Might already be there. That one's close. DeMontis Sabonis, Buddy Heald, and Chris Dunn. So there is, out of that, I just named nine guys. So there's 51 other guys from that draft who are hobby irrelevant. 2017. Tatum, Mitchell, bam, hobby relevant with a freaking bullet, undeniable. Junior varsity, Fultz, Lonzo Ball, Isaac, Jared Allen, Kyle Kuzma, and OG Ananobi. 51 other guys, hobby irrelevant. Be careful. 2018, man, they got some nice, some hobby relevant setters. More hot, more relevant than almost anything else in the hobby. The Don, Luka Doncic. I got it. After Kendrick Perkins said that, I just, every time I, every time I see Luka on my Instagram feed, I just think of the Don, Luka Doncic. If it's PSA, baby, if it ain't PSA, don't bring it our way. I love that clip. Lameem, let me get some more out of that clip. That one is a legendary clip. I love it. (laughs) We got the Don. Luka Doncic, Trey Young, SGA, and Michael Porter Jr., baby. That is ho- hobby relevancy right now. The junior varsity route. There's a lot of these guys. You know why there's a lot of these guys? It's because it's still early. Some of these guys can fade into the mist, and that is what happens. As time passes, these guys fade into the mist. But here is what I'll consider JV for now. Ayton, Bagley. Bagley, I know a lot of people are scratching their heads on him. So am I, but I figure I got to put him in there. Mobamba, Triple J, Lonnie Walker, DiVincenzo, Aaron Holiday, Devontae Graham, Gary Trent Jr. A lot of guys that could move the hobby irrelevance see with a, a bad year, but 47 guys not drafted. So like the point of all of this is just to tell you the hobby can be like Vegas if you treat it as such. It's such a gamble. It really is. And it's, Instead of going and casting a wide net, it probably makes more sense to do your homework. I think, you know, you want to collect to invest. You want to have a road to stardom. You want to know their skill situation, moments, and intangibles. Buying the hype is bad, but selling into the hype and missing your window is worse. I think, you know, you want to build a bulletproof operation if this is the game you're playing, if you're trying to play the speculation game, but it takes time, energy, and capital. 
that is a lot of factors. You, no one gets rich overnight. Like they don't. You've got to have a process. And your process has to have knowledge about these players. And regardless of what you do, they're bets because anything can happen. Injuries can happen. So operating in the speculative market is freaking dangerous. And usually, like Vegas, Vegas always wins. The hobby is going to always win in the long term, or it feels that way at least. So what I'm doing, I'm being less risk averse. Like I said, Josh, my guy on the NBA side, trying to pick another one, whether it's Mitchell or Booker. Want to identify those 25 target and attach myself to them because I like them and I think they're winners, right? They're significant and also collect legends. A lot to think about in that episode. It's a lot because this is all stuff I'm going through. I hope you all are having fun. I hope you're learning something from me. Tell me how I'm doing. If you like what I'm talking about, tell a friend about Stacking Slabs. Hit that subscribe button, write a review, follow me across all those social channels. Enjoy your time in the hobby. This is fun. It makes life better. I believe that. Take care of yourself. Take care of others around you. I will talk to you again real soon. Go make it happen. Go make it happen.